Seeing faces is important. Yeah, I'm, well, we don't get to see faces now. Mm-hmm. We only get to see, like, shocked me. It was, a, it was a little bit louder than usual. Really? Yeah. I don't think it's that loud. It's it's nice to hear Dave Hadley, though. In the, That's me. Is it? Yep. Oh, well, cool. Um, well, it's it flattering. Sounds, it sounds nice. It's flattering it's, that you would think that I, I'm at Dave Hadley level playing of a lap steel lap steel what's up andrew Grimm? what's up ellen cherry hey is this our podcast this is our podcast welcome to why aren't you famous today's episode is being recorded on december 18th 2020 the year of our pandemic oh is it still the pandemic yeah my name is ellen cherry i'm andrew Grimm, and i said that i want us to say at the top because both of us are musicians and we are trying to figure out ways to navigate life in the 21st century including during a pandemic global pandemic where live performance is going to not resemble what it was anytime soon the whole point of it is like where can i find your music to support you financially as you move forward into the new year well you can find my stuff um uh, where my preferred mode of of sending people music is through bandcamp so junestar.bandcamp dot com forward slash subscribe for five dollars a month you get i counted how many records i have out i finally did it <laughs> how many is it officially it's 16 june star records nice and um and in the subscription you get um access to 15 of those 16 wow yeah the very first uh, june star record i don't and you know we don't talk about it we don't we don't and, and if you have if you have that i'll buy it back from you <laughs> For a thousand dollars. Wow, you're willing to spend that subscription money. Yeah, it's worth it to me. Um, I think there. I think there's actually only like. Before we talk about your album history, let's talk about the fact that you can also support me because I'm a working well, musician. We're going to get there at ellencherry.bandcamp.com/slash/subscribe. I don't have 15 albums on there, but I have plenty of music, and I'm proud of it. And I also have the inner workings of an artistic process going on. And that's where you can find it. Okay, now you can talk about yourself all you want. Okay, well, listeners, get get comfortable. I was born in Bel Air, Maryland. <laughs> Blair, Maryland. In 1972. Actually, I was born in GBMC, but who's counting? Right. Um, no, I, I, well, why, why do you want people to go to your band camp? Like, what is, why is band camp such a big deal? Out of all the platforms that we are disseminating music to... Um, I feel that Bandcamp is the most musician-friendly, the most artist-friendly, and gives the most money um, of their profits to support musicians. Because if you are listening to this and you're waking up to the world of streaming and thinking from a consumer standpoint, it's quite miraculous and wondrous. And I have a subscription to Spotify. Um, I do use it to explore new music and we have talked about the difference between our divergent paths with that recently. Um, But it's been in the news since it began that Spotify is not artist friendly and I don't know anything about Apple music or Google Plex play or flibber jibberties or whatever the new (laughs) thing is. Sound and super old here. Yes. There's so many. I saw those guys. In I remember when I got my first like report from CD Baby of um, 
oh cd baby the days of yore oh it was an innocent time (laughs) that like the report of it was like the 20 streaming places like last fm and these places and that places and i was like i have never even heard these things and Mm -hmm. how are they surviving and of course that that was a healthy economy to have competition but then also to be regulating it and saying you have to to actually pay the content creators right, right. that's not the world we live in and so the reason why i like Bandcamp is that starting with the pandemic they began um profit free fridays where mm-hmm. the company itself was giving a hundred percent of what people of what consumers spent on the platform to the musicians who provided the content and they're continuing that into 2021 they're also launching a a live streaming service that people can use which will help a lot of us move off the platforms we don't want to be on anymore right. i don't find um, facebook and instagram to be psychologically healthy for me so in 2021 i'm making moves away from them not off yep. but, but away. away yeah yeah you have to view them differently you, you can't um it's so toxic um a lot of the stuff I, i've been thinking about lately is like um, I, we talked about in the last podcast looking at our Spotify s- streams and, and whatever and it's really just designed to make you feel like shit yeah I mean I really think that that's what it is I mean because I don't know if it's that well no they did, what they didn't do it, it's the same thing that Facebook Facebook didn't do because they sent it in like all kinds of bright colors and they sent me this whole video where it went by and it was like 20 minutes of my life of like seeing like you got 17 streams of this song that's been out for 8 months across the world <laughs> right and I was like, you loser, but it's <laughs> like, loser. it's like beautiful, bright colors. And you think yeah. the number that's about to pop up is going to be like a hundred thousand, which would mean that you could afford a pound of coffee. Maybe, maybe Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> not, not some sort of shade grown organic single source. Yeah. You know, whatever that terrible pluck, coffee pluck by Venezuelan nuns, <laughs> whatever, whatever coffee that is. Yeah. So that's why I like the band camp. Right. No, I, I, I agree. I, I love Bandcamp for that. And I think the, you know, they're, it, that's the place to be online. It just, I, you just can't be, you just can't be beat because on my subscription, I keep uploading songs like my catalog. And this is not because like I'm a great writer. It's no, I mean, I'm prolific, but you know, not, some of them are scary experiments, but the thing is, is like, they, there's no limit. Like they haven't, given me a limit of how many songs right. I could post on there. And I know right now I have, I mean, I, I have to have at least 350 songs on there. Right. And I just keep, you know, keep, I, some things are a little clunky about it, but I, I don't care about that. Right. You know, so anyhow. Um, I'm happy to be a part of the Bandcamp team. Yeah, me I'm too. happy to have their support and I'm, I'm really, um, I'm dedicated to continuing the subscription service there and not shifting to someplace else because first of all i would have to get you know like people to trust on their platform but also i don't know there's even though it doesn't offer it does offer everything i need because i've been posting video stuff there and mm-hmm. i just use youtube and i make it unlisted right. and um which makes me feel like i'm exploiting youtube in a way that makes <laughs> me feel good <laughs> take that youtube <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's it, well, it's a war of attrition, right? You know, it's guerrilla, guerrilla music warfare. You know, guerrilla, not gorilla. Yes, guerrilla. 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 Not gorilla. Not gorilla. It's it's like I mean, there are so many words that if you are not listening carefully, you are not like names. There are so many. No, tell me more about that, Helen. <laughs> I remember my first tour. We have a picture of it. Oh, yeah. This is a great story. <laughs> Ellen yes. Sherry. 
Ellen's cherry. Ellen's cherry. <laughs> no, I mean, there's like... I like this fact that it was on a marquee. I know a girl named Kristen, and people are constantly spelling her name Kristen. Oh, man. And if you can't hear the difference between Kristen and Kristen, then I don't know what to do for you. I don't really know how to help you through life if you cannot hear the difference, because there's a very important difference. It's an E and an I. Yeah. <laughs> anyway... So, what are we talking about today besides... Well, we're talking about icons today. Icons! We're talking about icons. Yeah. What, what, is, what does icon mean to you? And, well, and, and name three. <laughs> um, why don't we just listen to my essay? Well, maybe. I don't want to start with the essay right away. I want to talk a little bit about, like, I don't know, like, without giving too much of your essay away. Mm, that's going to be hard. Well, uh, all right. How much, how much have you invested in icons? I'm thinking. It'd be weird if you were just sitting there. Breathing into the microphone. Eating Cheetos. Oh, Cheetos. Um, Icons. I'm trying to think. Well, here's one that I did not talk about in my essay, but who I think of. Is she iconic? I don't know. You have to, you have See, to that's kind of that's a whole other essay. Is I did not necessarily go between iconic and art and artistic. Mm-hmm. Um, we while we were setting up, we were talking about the boss, Bruce Springsteen. Oh yeah, Uncle Bruce. And I would consider him iconic. He's iconic. Yeah. Sure. Um, but is there a difference between being iconic and an icon? Well, iconic is the properties of being an icon. Right. And an icon is a representative. So I would consider like uh, my top three off the top of my head. Oof. It's problematic because there's like icons that I consider in like classical painting. Mm-hmm. There's icons that I would consider in like different art forms. Um, Martha Graham. Mm-hmm. Misty Copeland. Mm-hmm. Icons of dance. Alvin Ailey. Um, she just died, Anne Reinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe I'm th- also thinking of stars rather than well, icons. Well, a star can be an icon. I mean, it it it, it just depends. Like, you know, is 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 that a artistic or a commercial issue? Mm-hmm. And just because an artist makes a, a a does well commercially does not necessarily mean that they're still not an artist. Um, like I mean, Neil Young. Oh, Kanye West. <laughs> well, well, that's a. It's a very complicated issue because I've seen two. I've seen a documentary where he was part of it, and then also another interview where that guy knows a lot about art. I'm not saying he doesn't. And I think he is an artist, but I also think that he's achieved. For some people, he's achieved icon status. Sure. Because of his domination of a genre of music. Anyway, what were you saying? No, I, you looked so deflated when I mentioned uh, ye. Well, <laughs> welcome to Nightburger. What will ye have? <laughs> oh no, we can't go down the path because I think there's going to be some people that don't know that reference. Oh, Mystery Science Theater three three thousand. MST three K. The mystical you. shop of Merlin. That's <laughs> the Merlin shop. It's a quarter pound. Of Not Merlin. everyone. Hasn't memorized like well, you. Yeah, no, that's a Wait, are you about to quote a Simpsons episode? Nope, I'm done. What's wrong with your hand? Nothing. I'm just scratching it. Oh, okay. It's got a little... Uh, got a cut or something. Or something. Oh. Um, yeah, I, well, the icon thing with Kanye is just that 
everything he just goes so crazy i, I mean because i'm sure he has some serious mental health issues that he that need to be addressed i um, wouldn't say i'm sure of that i okay, just think i would that, like, say i would not be surprised if no i think that like in uh, the, the political stuff especially aligning himself with trump was really fascinating because there is um i don't know that guy i don't know his experience i don't know his life and so i shouldn't be even be commenting on it but it did seem to in my opinion there's a, a a form of mental ill mental injury that incapacitates people from seeing themselves from aligning somebody that's so deeply against them sure. and their interests and that's first of all it's very fascinating and horrific about 70 million people voting for Donald Trump is that many of them voted like for the eye of Sauron right <laughs> like they voted for just I don't believe in evil, but they voted for a destructive force in their own lives that's going to personally affect them negatively. And that's, right. I, I don't understand the psychology of it. I don't, I mean, I, I guess maybe I understand it a little bit. Maybe it's they've been manipulated or misguided in some way. Um, but at the same time, I don't understand. Anyway, back to what you were saying, I diverted. Well, no, I, I think that whole Trump thing was just like, you know, it just wasn't helpful. Mm. It's, it's not helpful it's i don't see how that's helpful um and then like you know the, he started the church thing which you know uh, your religion is your religion your religion you know it's your faith go with it but also you know the things that i've read about it it's you know well w what is the purpose of it yeah the i just skimmed the surface of the of the religious practice that he was starting last year which was that he expected there um people that were involved in artistic process with him to abstain from drugs and sex outside of marriage. Um, which, you know, like I, I'm, I don't subscribe to any religion, religious practice that restricts people's personal autonomy and freedom, especially when it has to do with their bodies. Yeah. I, I think that's between you and your God and maybe the person you're in a relationship with, but it's certainly not between you and Kanye. Yeah. Like, dude, uh, you can step off. I, you know, <laughs> you, have, you have zero power over me because... Let's go. Oh, well, you don't have to be in this church. That's right. I, I elected to, to not. <laughs> However, me saying that and giving room for that in the world, you know, holding space for it um, or allowing it without pushing back can be problematic too because that's one of those things where, like, if you don't speak up, there are people that are actually going to be harmed, vulnerable people mm -hmm. that would be harmed. I'm not saying this specifically about Kanye West. Because I, I honestly, I'm going to make sure that anyone listening to this clearly understands that I really know not of what I'm talking about. Right on. Fair enough. In that regard. All right. Well, I think we have a really good basis to start our icon <laughs> portions. Yes, today's topic is icons. Icons. Did you go first last week or did I? Uh, I can't remember, but we can go with yours first. It's fine. It's a little bit longish. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dear listeners, I wish that you could see the resignation in, in Andrew Grimm's eyes when I said it was a little longish. Not long, but longish. Yeah. We, we aim for three to five minutes. I think mine's around seven. Yeah, okay. But maybe it's going to just thrill you maybe because that's part of the fun of this is that we write the stuff and then you don't know what i wrote about and i that's don't right. know what you wrote about i don't even know how you interpreted this mm -hmm. topic that we finally decided on wednesday 
It was a quick one. <laughs> it's hard to keep this podcast thing going. It is. It is. I mean, is it like we have Are you all? doing okay? I think so. Okay. You know, I'm moving along. I'm paying my payments. <laughs> I mean, it's it's sad when I think that like that's my that's my how I think of your purpose how on I the qualify planet. my 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 status in life. I'm paying my bills. <laughs> God. You know. I don't know what's going to happen in the next, you know, two months, three months, four months, five months, seven months until touring comes back in like October of next year. Do you it, think it'll be back by then? Uh, probably not. I think there's going to be enough idiots out there who are going to be like, I don't want the vaccine. And then they're like, I'm not going to wear a mask either. And they're just going to screw everybody up. Well, the vaccine thing is complicated. Mm-hmm. It's complicated because there are um, people who have a right to not trust any government institution with their bodies that they've Absolutely. been experimented upon. And so I can understand that we have to overcome that. And I uh, Th- Those aren't the people I'm talking about, but yes. Yeah. Um, however, I just saw a friend of ours from Florida posting that he's playing an indoor gig tomorrow night and or this weekend or next weekend or something. And I just thought to myself, like... I, you know, that, and he was talking about the protocols of it, which I understand that, like, we are looking, you and I did two um, streaming gigs this summer with no audience. No audience and Um, two people in the room. Yeah. And I felt fairly safe about that. Um, But this is like an actual gig where they're going to do, like, it's, it's not for me. And I just, I think the thing that, like... Sticks in my craw. Oh wow! Sticks in your craw. I am a cancer. Wow. Yeah. So you got a craw. So I have a craw. I have a claw. Uh huh. One big claw and one tiny claw. The big claws for gathering the stuff in, and the tiny claws for chopping it up. (laughs) Wow. Um. I think I don't know very much about (laughs) craws. Anyway, that like that is proceeding as though everything is some version of normal. That's right. And this is what has been so vexing to me is that we cannot operate any facet of life prior to March 2020 as though it is prior to March 2020. Nothing can exist the way that it was. Everything has to change. And because we have been so resistant to change in this country, 300,000 people are dead. Likely more. Likely more. So it's, I, I'm devastated by that number. I, um, I got really fatigued a couple of weeks ago when people would post things like on Facebook. I found them personally offensive. Like, do you know anybody personally who has died or had COVID? And I'm like, yeah, 300,000 people, people yeah. of my countrymen have passed away, have died from this virus like yeah i don't i guess i don't know them personally but i do personally know them because i care about them they're my fellow americans yeah anyway off on another tangent my point is like yeah things um i just wanted to check in because you know yeah it's not gonna it's not gonna be october i'm i I, well what the original question was are you okay oh yes i'm great good yeah i don't respond that way when people ask me i'm just like mostly okay because it's really moment to moment (laughs) <laughs> well i feel like i'm really like i could be an hour from now i could be like not well with what's going on it'll be fine you have lenny and denny i know they're your rescue i'm pigs. also finding who rescued who right well is that grammatically correct who rescued whom 
I find oh. that with the colder weather here in Maryland, I am not going outside as much, but I'm also really fatigued by seeing anybody and having conversations. Wow. I mean, you know, I see you hang I out know. with you, you. You look like you're getting more and more fatigued as we as we go on in this podcast. <sighs> what? Huh? Huh? I fell asleep. Are you still here? I'm so drained. Anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, icons. 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 Okay, so we're going to listen to yours first. We're going to listen to my essay. My long-ish essay. Oh, boy. <coughs> per usual, I look for inspiration from the dictionary. I looked up the definition of the word icon, and I found two. It's a noun. The first definition is a painting of Jesus Christ or another holy figure, typically in a traditional style, on wood, venerated and used as an aid to devotion in the Byzantine and other Eastern churches. I was somewhat familiar with this definition as a teenager because I had a best friend in high school who practiced as a Ukrainian Orthodox Catholic, which is the largest organization of practicing Catholics, second only to the mother church, the Roman Catholics. I remember the two-dimensional representation of holy figures like the Virgin Mary and other saints that her church used. They were so flat. They seemed trapped between panes of glass, like when General Zod, Ursa, and Nan get put into the phantom zone and expelled into space in the Superman story. But I digress. The second definition of the word icon is a person or thing regarded as a representative symbol or as worthy of veneration. I prefer this definition because it's left completely open to personal taste. My icons can be different than your icons. Let's start with sports. My sports icon is Diana Nyad, who swam from Cuba to America at the age of 64 without the aid of a shark cage. A holy pilgrimage for sure. The patron saint of long-distance swimmers like myself. Moving into fashion, my icon is probably Vivian Westwood, who clashes and bashes patterns, textures, and fabrics into each other like the punk that she is. And although I will likely never be able to afford any of her pieces, if you see pictures of me from 1992 to 1996, you can see that I was making a thrift store attempt at a similar style, even though I didn't know yet who she was. I think this is because she was already an icon to others, who were venerating her and bringing her influence across the ocean to a little old backwater known as Texas. And now I'd like to talk about my musical icons. And here's where the definition starts to become more precise, because there's a difference between an icon and someone who I feel has influenced my playing and writing. It's impossible to experience all music. There's not enough hours in my lifetime to hear all the sounds that I could consider sheltering under that large umbrella. I was first influenced by what my parents listened to. Lots of 70s songwriters, pop and R&B, musicals and classical music. My older sister is the first person who hit me to Depeche Mode, the Smiths, and the Indigo Girls. And my friend Josh made me mix tapes with Arrested Development and PM Dawn. I didn't listen to what I now consider a lot of Texas music until I got to college and actually left Texas. Sometimes we have to leave a place to appreciate it. I started listening to Lyle Lovett when I was a freshman in college. The first album I owned and memorized was Joshua Judges Ruth. The recording sounded like the Texas I wanted to be from. Open spaces, big cloudless skies, cows and ranch land, hot and dusty. 
not the Texas I actually am from, which is a soulless suburb that seems to be made almost entirely of concrete and is simply just mind-numbingly hot for most of the time. Lyle's lyrics were wry, poignant, and his voice cracked into an almost-but-not-quite yodel, and I was entranced. In the pictures I saw, this was before the internet, folks, he was a long, lean man with a bushel of eraser-head hair on top, wearing a suit, and sporting a dimple in his right cheek that was also long and lean. I met Lyle Lovett twice, as a fan, outside his performances at Jazz Fest when I lived in New Orleans in my 20s. Both times, I said something unintelligible as he graciously shook my hand, and once, I managed to slip my first album to him. Again, he was gracious, but I never heard from him, and we never did go on a years-long collaborative journey as songwriters together. I don't know if I can say I was ever influenced by his music and style of playing, as I have been by Nina Simone or Johnny Mitchell or my co-host Andrew Grimm, but I can say that I have long venerated his performances, his style, and his energy on stage. I consider him an icon. So I did what many people do in the social media age. I found him on Instagram and followed him. He was taking these cool photographs of his perspective from the stage. I saw that he was responding to fans that commented. At some point over the last few years, I made a comment on one of his photos of his Collings guitars, and he actually responded, and I felt that particular flush of warmth that one gets when a celebrity, nay, an icon of Texas swing music, makes an acknowledgement like that. At the beginning of the current pandemic, Lyle, like many others, began to navigate the world of live streaming for the first time. Unlike indie artists who, out of necessity, already had a lot of experience on these formats, it became apparent that this was new terrain for him. I saw a few of his free live streams that he did early on, and it was charmingly lo-fi. It was obvious that he was likely using the same early setup that I had, which was an iPhone on a tripod. And then, a few months in, there was an official duo show, where he was featuring another famous songwriter and charging tickets for the live stream. Last Friday, my co-host Andrew and I sat to watch Lyle's live stream, where he hosted another beloved musician that I think many would consider of icon status, Elvis Costello. We settled in to watch. I had hooked up my computer to my nice hi-fi stereo system, expecting an intimate experience with two songwriters whose work I respect and adore, and who certainly have access to folks that could assist them with computers, sound gear, and lighting. Elvis's face peeked out through some strange and incredibly distracting virtual background of an unidentifiable photograph, and although his voice sounded okay through his mic, his guitar amp was turned up too loudly and it was terribly distorted. It was unlistenable, laughable, and it caused some still unidentified complex feelings in me about how much of my own time, energy, attention, and life I've given to wondering about how famous people spend their time when they are not on stage. Lyle sounded all right, I guess. I went back later to listen to two more songs on the show. His setup was a bit more complex than when I saw a live stream a few months back. But I think the damage has been done. The warmth that I felt whenever I saw him on stage, shook his hand after an event, or even when he recognized my Instagram comment has completely dissipated. In just a few moments of watching, both Lyle and Elvis got smashed down into flat, two-dimensional representations, and my devotion is waning. Two days ago, Lyle posted a picture of Elvis, and folks commented on how much they loved the performance, on how great it sounded. Maybe it's me who is in the phantom zone now. So what can I do but turn my attention elsewhere? 
I unfollowed him. What? You unfollowed Lyle Lovett? I unfollowed him, dude. That's crazy. Oh, the power. Yeah. <laughs> as, as if he cares. Well, it, it's not about him. No, it's about me. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, that, it, yeah, that's a great essay. I don't know if it was... I don't know if it was that long. I mean, I mean, it kept going, but I didn't think it was that long. <laughs> you weren't uh, tired. You didn't feel it was tiresome. No, I mean, I I was focusing on Lenny and Denny, and, and they were playing over there. And, mm. no, I'm just kidding. Well, that was a pretty good essay. No, it was a really great essay. I, I liked it. I love the the whole Superman two uh, Phantom Zone because it, it it really feels like it really feels like we are living in a Phantom Zone. Right. Ooh, pardon me. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I, I will not edit that out either. <laughs> some burps so, from some beers. Yeah, well, sorry. Um, I, I thought uh, you make these really excellent points. I like the buildup of all the all the different types of icons or whatever. But then we're getting to this this moment because I was wondering if you're going to talk about you know that that episode, right? Or the the the, the show the, we the watched, show, which was just you know the the background was actually a picture of his dad, Elvis Costello's father when he played in, in a band. I figured it was some kind or of... Or his sig- great-grandfather or something like significance. that. Significance. Did I just miss that at the beginning of the show? He explained it or something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, and so... It still was super distracting because it was a virtual background and it was just like his head was popping in and out of it. And then, you know, you were there. The yeah. sound was... It was terrible. <laughs> it was... Yeah. And, and, you know, we paid $10. Right. Like... 10, 10 American dollars <laughs> during a pandemic when, you know, $10 is not necessarily hard to come by, but it's, you know, it's probably better, you know. I'm not coming by a lot of $10 these days. I, I'm not. I mean, yeah. I, would, I would have rather spent that money on a six pack of beer. Right. I mean, that would have been more high def. But yeah, I think you're, I think you're right about that. I, I really like the line where you said charmingly lo-fi because <laughs> it's such a, it's, there is, there is something about like, we want to see. We always want to, I, I don't know, I say we, I'll use I statements. I always want to see the artistic process or I want to see someone I consider to be an icon or somebody that I really like. Man, I'd love to, 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 to see them at a house concert. Right. And like to, to be in the same room with them when they're just playing like just one song, just solo acoustic and stuff like that. And there's, there's that sense of like, man, that, that would be really great. And now we do have access to it and it's just, it's, I think I think what is missing it doesn't interpret very well is the is the sound quality of it. Well, and also the what's the word I'm looking for? Bonhomie. Mm-hmm. That I mean, there was not an easy rapport. There was so like I am totally great with people telling stories of songs, but the gulf between where Lyle was sitting and Elvis was sitting was like Oh my goodness. It was a very awkward conversation and there didn't seem to be anything easy about it. And also there was, there was a, a real lack of awareness that there's an audience listening. Yeah. And I think that that's like, and that's why I wanted to make sure that at the end of the essay I talked about, like, is there two dimensionality in this medium because of them or is it because of me? And I think it's because of me. Like I, Huh. that's interesting. You know, like my perception of it was that I'm viewing this through the the skewed expectations of my past experience with at least one of those performers, which was in three dimensions and smells and sounds and feelings and and reaffirmations of 
We have to pause for a second. I got to deal with some guinea pig drama. Okay. Hold this thought. Guinea pig drama. Yeah, man. It's like a, it's like a reality show. It's it like that Meerkat Manor. <laughs> Is that a show? I want to watch that show. Yeah, it was a show. It was a show on like um, Discovery or something like that where they filmed this like one family of meerkats and there's like a whole clan or whatever they call it, whatever they're they're. The animal kingdom is. is so much more interesting than, than we are. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I guarantee you they would all wear masks. <laughs> right. They'd be like, hmm, how can we get our species to survive? Yeah. Let's do the smart thing. Anyway, I, I, the reason that I unfollowed him is that I felt like I had... I had been active in squashing my three-dimensional experience of that artist, that person who I think is iconic, into that two-dimensional space mm. of both definition of both definitions of I say both all the time. I'm trying to change it. Both definitions of icon, the flat representation of religious figures, and also the you know the this use of the word to venerate people who are not necessarily like visually represented but they they were flat i mean they were two-dimensional and i guess maybe what i was expecting from that show at this point almost 10 months into it that what i'm perceiving as two artists who have resource access to resources that i don't to help make their this two-dimensional experience orally three-dimensional right and there wasn't a focus on that lyle lovett like i said in the essay i think he sounded okay yeah i guess yeah but we you know you were there we stopped 30 minutes into it because it was depressing yeah and i've never seen elvis costello perform live and i was like if this is all that i'm gonna get if i shuffle off this mortal coil in the next couple of days and that's the last i saw of elvis costello i'm gonna yeah. be disappointed yeah no. for lots of reasons but no, we, should, we should definitely see like you know at some point when we are able to go to concerts again we should go see elvis costello yeah he's so good i i've seen videos of him where in a two-dimensional setting where he has been three-dimensional he has appeared to be three-dimensional yeah. and so i think for me the disappointment manifested as i don't necessarily it was a reaction to seeing that post where I read all the comments where people were like, it was so great. It was so intimate. It was, it sounded so good. And I was like, I'm living on a, I must be in the glass because everything is distorted to me. I must be squished between those two plates right. peering out and my senses are compressed Right. and everybody else is experiencing a reality that I'm not because that was completely smashed for me. Yeah. So I was like, well, I have power over the situation. I don't have to participate in, and you know, I love it. God bless him. I think he's, I think both of them are incredible artists and I love oh. their music and I love their performances. He's not going to miss me as a follower. No, he's not. I mean like, oh, that, that woman who commented on a Collings guitar two years ago that I double tapped huh. or wrote back something, <laughs> whatever. Whatever, man. No, I want to keep him on that stage. Right on. So, a healthy distance. Yeah. A more, yeah. Appropriate yeah. distance. I'm not close friends with him. I know. I'm close friends with you. You are. I want to hear your essay. Okay. Well, I will I will cue it up. All right, cue. I saw a funny meme about the word cue. Oh, yeah? 
how it's just a letter with a bunch of silent letters lined up behind it. It's something oh, about like... Yeah, the British Q. Like the word Q is actually like... The meaning of it is really applicable to the actual letters. Right. <laughs> so funny. I mean, I laughed about that for a pretty long time. That's good. It's the little things. It's the little things these days. <laughs> All right, here we go. Okay. Icons. Well, it's really been a year like no other. Even though it's tempting to feel like everything will change for the better directly after New Year's Eve, there's false comfort in feeling like we can just sit back and quasi-reflect on the steep and steady drop to the bottom. Every turn for the better we make is a left turn, and after three of those, we're back to where we began. One of the highlights, in all sincerity, has been the vast, incredible work released during the pandemic by some of my favorite musicians. Rough and Rowdy Ways by Bob Dylan, The Ghosts of West Virginia by Steve Earle, Good Souls, Better Angels by Lucinda Williams, XOXO, The Jayhawks, Reunions, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, Clockface by Elvis Costello, Collage by Ellen Cherry, Fetch the Bolt Cutters by Fiona Apple, Starting Over by Chris Stapleton, a Letter Home by Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. A Little Heat by Andrew Grimm. You might have noticed that I slipped a couple of names into the list of icons that the majority of mainstream listeners might not recognize. But that's the deal. One of the residual effects of the pandemic's impact on the music world is one that has leveled the playing field. Not in a commercial sense. Bruce still outsold me. But they are stuck at home too. And they are just as unable to get in their fancy tour buses to travel across the country playing the Enormo Dome as I am unable to get in my Honda Fit, drive for 200 miles to play in the corner of a bar while four people talk over my set. Ha! Take that, icons. Instead, as we're stuck at home, we've gone to the internet to stream our shows. So while I'm streaming a short concert in my kitchen, Robin Hitchcock is streaming a show in his living room. Well, it's practically the same stage. That's one kind of leveling. But wait, there's more. The leveling of technology, more specifically. An artist's relationship to technology has become painfully apparent in this, our age of COVID. Ellen Cherry and I have talked about this problem with technology before. Because neither of us are famous, we have to do everything for ourselves. Websites, promotion, instrument repair, crowdsourcing, and sound engineering. Both of us have engaged fully with technology, because there is a standard set by pro engineers and big budget records that sound great and concerts that have an incredible mix. You know what? To have that, that shit is expensive. So we have to make do with what we have access to. And to be clear, it takes a tour bus load of time to learn this stuff. Hours of watching tutorials, committing to dry runs, and all that because you want it to sound good. It is annoying and time consuming. And as proof of that, I'd like to play for you a clip from a recent online performance from someone who was on my list of icons. Okay, let's try that. Let's see if this is going to work. This is one of the things I wish I wasn't doing at the beginning of each of these. And the question is, is it 
Is my guitar reversed? Oh gosh. Here we go. Okay, that sounds better. I think that sounds better. Right? Which I wasn't doing at the beginning of each of these. And the question is, is okay. sound is, is good. guitar reversed? Oh, gosh. All right. So, it's Wednesday, December 16th. You're watching... Um, oops, I shifted my beautiful setup here. My name is Ellen Cherry. I'm a Baltimore-based song and story alchemist coming to you. That's right. Ellen Cherry was starting her weekly show, One Song at a Time, where she plays one song from her catalog, once at the beginning of the show and once at the end. And during the show, she explains the lyrics and then talks about some other stuff. That's it. Pretty simple, right? But the thing is, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. The lighting, the microphone for her iPhone, framing the video, knowing how to flip the camera so it's not mirroring you but showing the true left and right. I'm not sure if anyone has noticed, but according to Facebook live streams, there's a lot of left-handed people playing music. There's nothing too remarkable about the fact that we know how to create a reasonably good sounding live stream from our phones. We're pros. What's amazing is how many terrible streams are put out by people way above our pay grade who have access to way better gear. These artists produced incredibly detailed records, but their online performances sound so bad that you just can't listen to them. It becomes hard to watch. This is a conflicted reaction for me. These are the people I admire and enjoy listening to. I listen to their records and think, man, how did they get that sound? Or where did they come up with that arrangement? And to be fair, it is a live stream during a deadly pandemic. And they may be as lost as we are. So there is that. Maybe they've always had great producers and sound engineers, so they've never needed to do this type of work to perform. In a recent Guardian article, Fiona Apple talked about her recent introduction to the digital audio workstation, GarageBand, and how it was revelatory to her, and she feels more free to create than ever before, to the point that she is reconsidering her previous work and how it could have sounded differently had she had control. Quote, it was right before I started recording in my house. I had been with the band and I could feel myself swallowing my own opinions. I was feeling really unsure of myself and I needed to say that out loud in order to stop swallowing my opinions. When I learned how to do GarageBand, everything really opened up. I was able to spend hours doing things by myself. That was the first time I've ever really enjoyed recording. Part of me wants to pull the Taylor Swift and re-record old songs to see how I would do them now. I wonder how I would have enjoyed my whole career if I'd been able to do it by myself. End quote. In reality, I'm happy I'm not famous. I don't have expensive producers. I don't have people telling me what to do. And I'm happy that I've had to learn all this stuff on my own. Even if I had a major label behind my work, I'd still want to be learning everything I could about the gear or the mixing process or the mastering process. I'd still want to be in control of what was happening with my work. Sure, most of the artists on my list of icons have bridged the technology gap with pro engineers and excellent live and studio production, and I will always listen to what they've put out. And I guess over time, I've always associated the sound quality of those records 
with the artist because their name is on the cover. But it's really hard to watch someone struggle to sound real in their living room once that veil has been lifted and you find out that they're just like anyone else. Let's let it play out. Yeah. Uh-oh. 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 It's Blowed. <laughs> that was the sound of being pressed into two planes of, planes of glass. <laughs> um, great essay. Thank you. And it's... I think the thing that I wanted to say first is that I appreciate that you brought me into a state of humility and also recognition that the people that I idolize, the icons that I have, you know, the people that I consider icons are people. And they are also struggling in ways that I don't know with getting up in the morning and acknowledging the dead, acknowledging climate change and push for racial equality and everything that we have been surviving this year together as a species surviving the Trump administration you know like this <laughs> it's uh, it's a good reminder that um my criticism of people that i perceive to have more resources is not necessarily you know it's me looking out from the glass in a lot of ways. So I wanted to start there. So yes. thanks for that. You're welcome. Um, also, it's really funny that we both meant, this is the first time that we've ever, it seems like that we've really like referenced each other in the essays, mm-hmm. which is interesting. That's interesting to me. Well, you're my friend. <laughs> um, I appreciate the shout out from a show, which right is on. ending in two weeks. Right, two weeks. But it, We'll live forever in Facebook Live. <laughs> Maybe if I don't delete the whole thing. Yeah. Um, you know you can transfer those. I just, they I, just started doing a download option where you can yep. download the video to your own phone, but I don't know if that's possible for past videos. You can uh, download it to Dropbox. Cool. All your videos and all your photos. I might do that. I think I might do that and just delete everything then from Facebook. Right. And just make it a current thing where it's like, it just deletes after 30 days, Yeah. Um, which would be awesome. Um, yeah. The... Anyway, maybe I'm just like in a state of humility, so maybe you should talk a little bit, even though, okay. even though you just gave us your essay. Um, well, you know, the, the thing that I liked about your essay, and I think what, we, what, what we've been talking about is, you know, privately outside of the podcast, when we, I, I think we're a little diplomatic when we're on the podcast and we might have some harsher criticism <laughs> just between us, you know, just just between friends, you know. <laughs> right. um, and and a, and a lot of and I still, to me, I still feel, um, I, I I feel very satisfied with with what I can do, and and it's like realizing like, oh man, I could do that. They can't do that. I'm getting more to that stage in my life. Yeah, where. And I think I talked about that a little bit in the last episode that Mm -hmm. I had that dream of getting picked up by a label or a manager. And then I sort of, that was the disappointing thing about the internet was it didn't become the great equalizer. Right. I was still lost in the sea of voices and maybe it's age and experience Mm -hmm. and the, (laughs) you know, constantly trying to outrun your own mortality on a daily basis by doing (laughs) yoga and swimming and trying to eat well. Um, that it's not even that I just don't care anymore. It's that what you just said, that 
I'm, I'm becoming more satisfied and impressed by myself of what I can achieve mm -hmm. and talking about it that much more, which I think is one of the helpful things for me, which is the reason why I do this podcast. I do this for myself right. um, and for you and for us. I'm, I'm glad that other people like it and, um, you know, listen to the end, which is nice, <laughs> but it's like, we, we talk about the, um, Herculean effort that producing music, whether it's in a live setting or a recording or any type of artist, artistic output, the amount of, um, effort and time and spirit and courage and bravery that it takes to just create the thing, but then also the mechanics of it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it just always, I will never forget. I don't remember this dude's name, but in college when I started the Ellen Cherry band with Ryan, Kate and Ben, this guy said to us after a show, I wish you guys could just play in a field, just play, you know, your music for each other and play it for nature. And I remember thinking like, just get away from me. <laughs> I want other people to hear it. Right. That's the whole I point. want other people to experience. I'm not. Yeah, that, that's actually kind of a backhanded compliment. <laughs> I wish you guys could go play your music somewhere far away from here. Far away. Where there's nobody, where the only people can hear you are perhaps, you know, natural predators. I think he was just sort of like a. Kind of a nature kind of. I don't remember. Hmm. It's probably an agent of the patriarchy. However, I didn't know that at the time. Um, they're everywhere. Yeah, AOTPs. <laughs> God, the AOTPs. You gotta watch out for them. Stop them in the tracks. But just the the talking about the amount of effort that we make to make these things happen, especially the fact that like you and I do this podcast together, and we and we participate in it equally. Right. I have my role in in publishing it. You have your role in producing and publishing it, and my role in producing and publishing it. And we have split it equally. Um, but for our own music, we shoulder those burdens frequently alone. Mm -hmm. You have some assistance with your band, but your own music that you're producing, you do that completely alone. I do right. my own um, music at this point. Like not, I mean, you know what I mean. And yeah, so it's like seeing icons step into that field where they are suddenly made in, it's like non-independent artists are suddenly like having to experience a reality show of like, this is your life as an indie artist. Yeah. Like instantly, you don't even get any, like you don't get to like slowly come down the ladder right. and you're playing like a 2000 seat venue. Then you're right. playing a 500 seat venue. Right. Then you're playing a coffee shop to 10 people. It's like, no, you are down in your living room wondering if like, when you look at it later, why it looks like you're playing a left-handed guitar. <laughs> right, you're like, oh, man. Because you didn't, and you're like, that was a great performance, but you also, like, realize that <laughs> your head was cut off the whole time. Right, right, right <laughs> So right. it's like... Or your signal's dropping or right. whatever. And yeah. I feel like your essay reminded me to be compassionate to that because it's like watching, a, you know, a baby learn to walk. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> oh, bless your heart. Oh. We have been doing this for years. Yeah. Well, I, you know, yeah. Out of necessity. I, there's, there's a little bit of empathy there for, for, for them. And, and, and also at the same time, it's just like, you know, I, I think when you have, when you have more success um, and you have more control over your, your what you do, I, ju I just think that expectations are higher. Like we have set higher expectations for ourselves right. when we do those things. And that was my whole point about the competition. Like, you know, my record is never going to sound like it was produced, you know, it had a million dollar budget. 
Right. My record will always sound like I had the exact budget I had at the time, which was like, you know, $4,000. Right. Um, and you do the best that you possibly can. Um, and so when, when it comes down to, to, you know, having to do it on your own, it's like, well, I want to make sure, like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to make sure that, and by doing it right just means, like, it's just going to, it's going to sound good. Maybe the lighting will be iffy. But, you know, I want to make sure I got that. And that's the whole great thing about, you know, where we found out about those microphones, the, the Shure M88. Uh, MV88. MV88. Um, call me, call me sure. We yeah. would love to be sponsored by you. And, and once again, like, you know, that, and that's a, that's a Roscoe Amble thing. Like, Roscoe told me about it. And he was like, you know, I really love these. And, you know, I think this thing sounds really great. And, and then he's, cause he's a guy who I think, I think really great artists who do really great broadcasts and stuff, they all do the same thing. They, they read instruction manuals. Right. You know, you do the tutorials. He's like, oh, well, how does this thing work? Are you hearing something? Yes. Oh. It's my family. It's your computer. <laughs> it's my computer. I was like. It's, it's become sentient. <laughs> I was like, what's that noise? It's going I was just so happy that the fridge compressor stopped. And then all of a sudden I was like, do you have the tea kettle on? Yeah, it's suddenly trust in me. <laughs> from Jungle Book. It's one of those Disney films. Yeah, it's the snake. Yeah. Call, is that his name? I don't remember. I think it was. Anyhow. Um, but like, I, I have higher expectations for those people. Right. Because... I, that's the standard by which I want to, you know, I want to do things. So if I do a live stream up until we had those microphones, it was just, you know, you try to do the best you could with it and mm-hmm. try to find a room that sounded good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, with those top tier people, like with Elvis Costello, he was singing through, you know, a, a, a sure, uh, SM, uh, vocal mic, right. It's a great mic, you know, and, but the rest of his stuff sounded terrible and it's like, well, I kind of expect him. I, I do. Um, I won't unfollow him because I'm not cold-hearted like that. But, um, <laughs> but, but it's just, I it, did that for me. <laughs> I just think it's it's just disappointing, and he's like, eh. And then I, as I was writing the essay and thinking about it, I was just, I just kept thinking, I was, I was like, yeah, Grim, yeah, you got you got the right equipment. You might not have all the clout, but you know. And I and we talked about like earlier in the week when we talked about this episode and what we're going to write about. That's the one thing that I've always pointed out about your uh, one song at a time is that it, it, you take the time to make sure you have the, the lighting is good and you, you care about what it sounds like. And I think that's, you know, that is at least half of the fight of, of doing a good online broadcast. Mm-hmm. And it's very consistent. Like your, your weekly shows sound good. You know, are they like 4K high def? No, of course not. But they're clear. They're, um, there's there's a consistency in the volume. It's very easy to watch. Um, I feel like maybe there's another word you're searching for. Uh, what could it be? Do you feel like there you're searching, and then all of a sudden you're like, I just wish I could rely on something. Oh yeah, it's so reliable. It's so reliable. That's easy, me. consistent, reliable, reliable. Always there waiting. I think to be- it was simple too, simple and easy. And then we added consistent. Right. And reliable. Well, then, then it grew. It grew in, in legend because because you were being called off the bench. Right. Apparently, last minute. Right. Yeah. To to always, fill in. Always feels good. What's that word that I love but I can't ever remember if I'm saying it correctly? Anodyne. Oh, anodyne. Yes, yeah. Anodyne. There you go. That's Ellen Cherry. I thought anodyne. I, I thought you were going to say default. <laughs> 
which Homer Simpson says is his two favorite words in the English language. Default. Default. All right. Well, hey, it's 55 minutes into this episode. Whoa, we've been jabbering for a long time. Yeah. Well, if we, if we hang out for just a couple more seconds, a couple more seconds. Yeah. Hold up. Hold up. Oh. Andrew, it's always lovely to see you. Alan Cherry, it's wonderful to see you. If I was searching for your high-fidelity, amazing recordings, many of which you've recorded in your own home, where would I find them? You'd find them at junestar.bandcamp.com, and you can subscribe for $5 a month and get just a boat load, a tour bus load of, uh, of, of material. What about you, Ellen Cherry? I'm available to you at ellencherry.bandcamp.com slash subscribe, and I am working on... It's getting so loud. It, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I'll just pull it away from my headphones a little bit, maybe. Or you can turn the volume down on my headphones. Um, yeah. I'm doing stuff there. Find me. And we finished. And now the song is ending. Ooh, disco. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should leave that in every time. Okay. Because now people will know that there's something at the end. It's a stinger. Um, Lyle, call me. Bye. See you next time. Bye, guys. See ya. Bye. Ooh, disco. I like it.